Welcome to Locally Sourced Joey, our final episode of 2019, and we are going out with a bang. I'm joined by Nelson E. Toriano, a distinguished fitness and business educator and author of the new book, For the Fit But Poor Personal Trainer, a guide on how to train money, not muscle, to grow. And whether you're a personal trainer or, like me, more of a a gym dabbler, uh, less so than a, a frequent enthusiast, there's still plenty of great financial advice throughout this book. And as we head into a new year and a new decade, there's no better time to start getting your finances in order and helping your money grow. I mean, why not? Why not? Nelson shares lots of great actionable tips. Again, whether you're a personal trainer or not, lots of good stuff in his book. But I'll let let him get into all that. So, Nelson, let's take it away. I like that you said over wine is where you had this uh, sort of realization. As many great ideas start, you were like, wait a minute, I can use all (laughs) the skills to help out other people. So can you take me back to that that sort of night when you had a realization like, hey, I I can make a book about, you know, helping out personal trainers on their finances? Yeah, I'll go back to the very beginning of the year. Um, I was out with friends. um, And in the personal training world, we get pretty frustrated a lot with the pay because we're we're running around, we're hustling a whole lot. And there's always going to be this opportunity to gain more money if you do small group training. So if you could train two to three people, then they pay a premium. Or if you go on online coaching and you know when you're having drinks and everyone has great ideas mm-hmm. and they're always like, oh, we should open up our own gym or we should invent something. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be great. Um, and then and for some reason, like within my soul, within my heart, I, was, I just realized like there was a lot of negativity to begin with. And I, I participated in it as well. Um, and then when I went home, I started thinking about, well, if we have all of these great ideas and I come from a business background, there's going to be something missing. If we're always stuck at serving clients on a one-on-one basis and always complaining about money, how are these super personal trainers making it into business? How did they become um, entities on their own and social media influencers? And so it was a lot of soul searching. Uh, once I sobered up, <laughs> and I started uh, really analyzing it and kind of replaying everything that I learned in graduate school and everything that I learned within um, investments. Um, I naturally come from a background of website development and business. So in a previous life, I was building websites, but I was um, in middle management of a marketing agency. So I kind of have experience in both worlds, the business and in fitness worlds. Um, And that's when I started piecing things together. You know what? There's something about the personal training world that does not translate well into the business industry and vice versa. When I took a back, when I took a step back, I realized a lot of personal trainers are really well versed, and in their own respect, they're very book smart as well. As with business people, we all live in Silicon Valley, so I see a lot of book smart engineers and math people and science people. But what personal trainers um, don't have a lot of is the actual background in business, specifically in finance. So when I started looking at and actually calculating. Okay, if a personal trainer is working anywhere between $50 to $100 per session, they have to work X number of hours in order to gain the salary. Um, At the con of it is they're so exhausted. So from my experience, there are different ways in business to make any type of process more lean, to make it more uh, financially stable. Um, That's the whole nature about working in uh, in, in the corporate world is you always have to look at different ways to make a process um, run more efficiently. So this is when I started just 
brainstorming and putting it on Google Docs, all of the stuff that I know, I didn't really have any type of outline or anything, um, started pushing things in on the brainstorming phase. The brainstorming phase lasted about three months and several drafts later until I started getting into um, uh, a, a form and an outline that actually worked to explain everything that was in my head. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, I was reading different ways. Um, you know, I always like to increase my knowledge base about investments, about business. So at the same time, I was reading um, Tax-Free Wealth, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's Cash Flow Quadrant. Robert Kiyosaki is a wonderful author. Um, but also just increasing my knowledge base outside of the personal training world and then translating it and make it cohesive within that outline that I was trying to put forth. Six to eight months later, I finally have a book. And that's where everything, everything came in. Uh, I, it was so many drafts um, going back and forth and working with my editor and making sure that my voice comes um, out in a certain way. Um, when it comes to the business type of voice, it can be really dry. And specifically, if you're talking about finance and accounting, even me, when I was in graduate school, I zoned out. <laughs> the topic was so, so boring. Um, so I had to take these very dry concepts and translate it in a way to a personal trainer who is more hands-on in the tactile learning, who are more visual, um, who understand the concepts of hypertrophy, who understands the concept of muscle strength, muscle strengthening and things like flexibility. Um, it's totally different language. So this is where the inspiration took us. I'm actually bilingual. I know business language and I know the fitness language. So in a way I have to translate one into the other to make sure the concepts stick. Yeah. yeah and that, that was something I really uh, enjoyed. I mean, I'm, I'm no personal trainer. I enjoy working mm-hmm. out, but no personal trainer, <laughs> um, but I still found it, you know, really accessible. And I think it, even Good. though it's geared at a personal trainer audience, I think it can expand and people that are just curious about learning more about business, I think yeah. well worth a read for. And so you mentioned how, how some of the concepts, uh, even when you were in grad school, were kind of over your head a little bit. Can you talk about one or two that maybe you, you found were kind of dense, but then you found a way to make it a little more approachable? Absolutely. I don't know if I would call the class traumatic, but I definitely <laughs> remember having nightmares about it. <laughs> I had to take a graduate level um, finance class in pricing, in pricing something. It is not a straightforward science. It is an actual art. Um, In the personal training world, when you ask any expert um, how they price their services, you'll have different trains of thought. Um, You take all the cost of goods sold and uh, pass it on to the client. And so your rate will end up being anywhere between 50 all the way up to $200 an hour or something. Then there's going to be a different approach where you have to compare your services and your background against other personal trainers with with a different background. Um, and see how you compare in terms of the value of the customer. So technically, according to the customer, your services might be cheaper or it can be more expensive. Um, so that number that you actually calculate is always going to be fluctuating. There is no straightforward answer. So when it comes to the fitness world, people will say like, oh, your rates are too low or your rates are too high. There's, there, there's never going to be a right answer. So that was the most frustrating part is you're taking this mathematical concept and you're hoping that there's one straightforward answer and there isn't. Um, The real answer really depends on how you argue it and how you sell yourself. So if you pay yourself as a premium, um, uh, then you can argue to the, uh, not argue, but proposition yourself in terms of a value offering, right? But what is gonna be the agreed upon 
incorrect way is to pass on all cost of goods sold to develop that product or service onto the client. And if that was the case, and I remember my teachers explaining this, if you were to take the cost to produce a pencil and pass it on to the consumer, a pencil nowadays, I don't know, it's like less than 10 cents or something. Sometimes it's free. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but if you were to take that pencil and if you really thought about how much it costs for any company to produce that, you have to, you have to cut down a tree. You have to source the actual lead. You have to develop the eraser, the rubber, imprinting, manufacture it, ship it to the consumer. And so a pencil that would be otherwise free could be costing you about 50 bucks or something. So obviously in the working world, you cannot do that practice. So trying to translate that and um, explain that concept to an audience whose mindset is so geared onto, let's just pass on all of the costs on the client because I'm worth it. It could ruffle some feathers. Sorry. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. I like it. I like the ruffling some feathers. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And so with, so you, the book has been out for just a couple months now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what's some of the, the feedback you've heard where people were like, oh, I never even really considered this or like, it, I imagine you've, you've had a lot of opened eyes uh, with people coming back to you. I, I have, I have. Um, when I first started promoting the book, I was doing it uh, word of mouth and I was talking to a couple friends um, and <laughs> I couldn't tell if they were taken aback or if they were shocked or they were surprised. It was kind of like blank stares. <laughs> and I had to check in with them like, you understand that you know, money is kind of important. It's not just about sales revenue. It's about managing costs. It's about understanding taxes. And more often than not, people would say like, yeah, I need that. I don't understand anything about finance. I don't understand how to do my taxes or anything. And I said, well, read my book. <laughs> I will explain <laughs> it to you. Um, and then there's been, out of that population, a couple of people were like, I never knew any of this. I didn't understand there's three forms of income. I didn't understand there was a thing called the product life cycle. I didn't understand how to become an investor. Um, so a handful of people were very, very appreciative. Um, then I started uh, reaching out on LinkedIn to educators in kinesiology departments and other small businesses um, and just random personal trainers who, according to their profile, they were looking for more education. So I offered it to them. Got some great reviews on Amazon. Um, from another podcast, I had a couple people reach out to me um, and started networking and circulating it among the schools, which is my intended market. Um, a couple of people from San Francisco State University and University of San Francisco, and now a couple of people from other universities throughout the country um, want to talk to their students about it, which really, to me, that means a whole lot. And I think in that generation, um, because they are within the academic system, I could surmise that the majority of us didn't learn any of this in, in school. Um, how did, I don't know when or where how anyone learned how to do their taxes, but it was, but it was definitely not when I was 21. No, it, yeah, it was, uh, I, I still would say there's several parts on my taxes where I'm just kind of like, I think this is right. Uh, right. I'm going to yeah. go with it. Yeah. So. Yes. so more often than not, I got a lot of people who were appreciative, uh, who then started circulating around to other people and say like, Hey, you need to, you need, you need to read this. Um, more often than not, I heard people say, I wish I had this when I was younger. I wish I had this when I first started being a personal trainer because no one explained to me commissions or how to read my paycheck or how to actually segue into an actual brick and mortar type of business. And that's kind of an interesting thing is, can you take us through like what 
as a personal trainer, like what's that sort of onboarding process like? Is there even one? Is it just like, hey, you know some things, now get out there? Yeah, actually, <laughs> you just summarized it. <laughs> you just, so a lot of personal trainers, academic career path would start in the sciences. So you could be in sports medicine, you could be in the kinesiology, physiology departments, um, and then you have that degree. You can go into physical therapy or graduate degree, but more often than not, many of them end up getting a second certification um, your first certification being your graduate or your, your degree, um, but you have to go to the National Academy of Sports Medicine or something that's equivalent to study about six to eight months to get certified as a personal trainer. So that's your official certificate. That education will review and kind of augment your understanding and, and application of the sciences toward working with a client hands-on. Um, and also a little bit, maybe one or two chapters about sales and marketing. And that's it. Suddenly you're a certified personal trainer and the most obvious career path at that point is then to get a job at a commercial gym. So a lot of people will go to the big box gyms or even nowadays boutique. When I first started, it was mostly just the big names. Um, but now you have more than enough options um, like Orange Theory or even smaller local uh, uh, mom pop shops. Um, back in the day, we didn't have... <laughs> I'm going to age myself. Back in the day, we didn't have social media. There was no such thing as Facebook or definitely Instagram. So nowadays, um, people who are just recently certified can also become social media influencers. So they can be their own brand and their own uh, um, online coach. That wasn't a career path back then. Um, and, that, and from that point, it goes on and on and on ad nauseum until basically you're retired. <laughs> you can again the, the the flexibility you can do small group training you can do online um and then that then that's pretty much it if you in your heart have a desire in order to branch off into an actual business like opening up your own athletic training center or yoga studio um there's going to be resources available hopefully you can find a mentor in the industry but there's no actual plan or any type of curriculum you'd have to go back into business school um, if you want anything that's formal. But other than that, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. So it's nice to have a resource like your book that <laughs> goes yes. into some of the things. <laughs> yes, definitely. Let me summarize it. And um, one of the key features about um, this that I didn't have when I first started was the next generation of personal trainers and the next generation all together um, they can personalize their career path and they have so many more opportunities and so much more flexibility than people my age and older didn't have. So they can be really creative as I want to be um, an online entity, but I also want to be an investor and I also want to do this and they're able to be mobile. So I wanted to design a book that explains the business of finance and especially the accounting processes, but without actually telling them this is what you should do. And a lot of the resources available, I would say, for the next generation, um, and given, given my industry also, the books are so specific that say, this is what you do if you want a well-profitable gym. Well, not everyone wants to be a gym. Um, this is what you do if you want to be a social media influencer and a well-paid one. Well, not everyone has time nor the money or the desire to do that. So no matter what your career path is and no matter what your... Um, sense of fulfillment is that you think it is at this point let me just explain to you what's common for anybody and then i'll explain uh, i'll coach you through uh how to design a career path that means the means the most to you as an individual person i like that i like that and as someone that has a lot of friends i uh, that are kind of in that social media space um mm -hmm. 
I, I agree there wasn't really social media when I was growing up. So I, uh-huh. it's kind of interesting to see things like, I feel like I mentioned TikTok in every episode now. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually have a TikTok account, but I, yeah. I'll see clips from it. Like every day someone will share something with me and I'm just like, man, this is the same thing as Vine, yet it's, right? it's right. thriving. So. I, I downloaded the app. I've yet to open it. <laughs> I just heard, I mean, one day I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> it's already farther than I am. So here, I know. Here, here, here. <laughs> yeah. But um, ha- have you seen any uh, anyone that's kind of, I, you've mentioned like the influencer sort of path. Have you seen anyone that you're like, oh, they're really killing it on social media? Do you have a couple, couple shout outs of, of people that are doing it really well? Um there's just so many on my Instagram. (laughs) Actually, not anyone in particular. Uh, It's, there's so many. And what I want to actually take that question a step back is that there's a lot of social media influencers who are doing well in terms of influence. I don't know if, I don't know how many actually make money though. And so I always kind of want to push back. I was like, who are your sponsors and are you making a, a, a lot of passive income that you can just enjoy life or are you stuck yeah. doing all of these social media posts? So yeah, I do. I, I, I don't have anyone in particular yet that I cling to just because I don't know their backstory. And I don't know their finances. Sure. So, <laughs> so, yeah, but I'll, I'll answer that question after a couple more research. Excellent. Excellent. It'll be part two. Part two. Part two yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Int- I, I'm going to blank on who I've read this by, but there was some, some deep dive into an influencer that had, um, I don't, it was like, you know, 10 million followers or something like that. And was doing a whole little sponsored promotion, uh, with a company and she only, you know, they gave her like a custom link and like a discount and everything. Yeah. And I think she only sold about 30, uh, products of whatever mm-hmm. it was. And it's like, well, I don't, I can't even do that quick math, but that sounds like a point <laughs> less than a 0.01, Right? Uh, percent conversion rate and so yeah it'd, it'd just right. be interesting to i'm sure many people probably would not divulge that but it's just an interesting thing mm-hmm. to wonder about it's like huh yep it's yep. always worth uh, worth all the effort <laughs> yeah in my book i actually I, I have a couple pointers um about that um because it's really easy to fall into that trap of like oh, i want to be this person and, and it's social media everything is a little fake so <laughs> everything is a little <laughs> twisted there's filters of every type um so even for me i i look up to people who are um very influential in the space and you know how can i be like that but then again i don't know the whole story um whenever i see a person humble brag about their net worth or their assets or anything um i actually break it down for the reader also as i hope you don't uh, feel um kind of discouraged that you need to be a certain way let me explain to you what a network statement and assets are um, because that person may or may not be telling the whole truth so if you understand the numbers behind what you are actually seeing you internally become more confident and you're like oh actually i can do this and i understand what's going on i could do it myself so i really want to empower people when they're taking a look at social media and designing the career you have influences, then there's your role model, and then there's you. You really have to listen to within yourself. Is that does this make sense to you? I'll explain to you the numbers. Yeah, I think that's that's an important distinction to have. Is you can definitely be influenced by other people and you know take their advice and listen to what they have to say. But when you start comparing yourself to other people, that's when you can get into trouble. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good deal, good deal. And I want to hop back a little bit to the actual 
creation of your book? Because uh, I always think it's it's interesting to kind of talk about that. You had mentioned several several drafts, as every good book should have. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> your perfect book on the first try. Yeah, uh, but can you take us a little more into finding an editor, working with one, and kind of getting it out there into the world? Sure. Um, so when I was doing my draft. Uh, Obviously, I needed an editor, and what was an incorrect approach, which I did first, was uh, develop a couple of drafts and send it to my friends. Um, bless their souls. <laughs> <laughs> so they did as much as they could, but I mean, for that length of a document, it's understandable not any of them could turn around edits within a certain time frame. I mean, they're doing it for free. Sure. Um, I had a couple of uh, people who actually did sit down and read more than 20 pages of it. Um, but for the most part, the markups were punctuation or word choice and things like that. Um, so I, I knew I had to take it a step further if I wanted to provide something of value out to the public. My previous employer, I was working at um, a search engine optimization company. And I, one of my previous roles was managing all the website content writers. So luckily, I developed a lot of relationships with web content writers who, on their side hustle, they were writers themselves, editors themselves, and other different formats. So um, I called up one of them and said, like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you doing? Reconnected and stuff. Uh, she actually, I live in the Bay Area. She had recently moved back to the Bay Area. Uh, so we got, got a couple beers, and I started taking <laughs> Let's go back to alcohol. <laughs> um, all the good ideas start. <laughs> it is. And it was a great relationship that started again. <laughs> and she became my editor. Wonderful person. So if, you, if for anybody, any of the listeners who are interested in writing a book, know that there's three different levels you should know. There's always going to be your copy editor, I believe. I forgot what the middle one was. And I forgot what the top one was. You have to have the top one one. Because the top version, they're all different, three different price points. Um, the top version it actually doesn't only go through uh, syntax or anything that you know spell check can go through. They actually interview you. They talk to you. They understand um, your enunciation, your personal word choice, your actual voice, and your. They do a whole analysis of your intended target audience. Um, so after you develop your draft, that person takes all of that um, subjective quality to you and integrate it within the actual document. So when I was going through the editing process, chapter by chapter, she says, this doesn't flow well according to how you would talk. Um, she would insert and stop sentences at certain points, and I didn't understand it until she actually produced it back. And I was like, oh, yeah, actually, that does sound a little bit more like me. After taking that draft, I resent it back to my friends and say, like, hey, what do you think? They're like, oh, yeah, this does sound more like you. It is a little bit more professional. It's um, less wordy. So a lot of positive feedback once I got the um, actual professional working with me. And that process lasted a couple of months. She actually gave me feedback on the title because originally it didn't have the preposition for. It was just called the fit and poor personal trainer. And she gave me feedback that just sounds more like a nonfiction piece <laughs> rather than something that's instructional. So she added the for, the preposition, and that made the world of a difference. Nice. It's amazing how one word can, can totally yeah. change something. Like <laughs> Very grateful for her. <laughs> and then as far as actually getting published, I, did you work with a publisher? Did you go the, the self-publishing route? How did that work? I went the self-publishing route. Uh, after being inspired by, again, Robert Kiyosaki and other entrepreneurs, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for um, a publisher to say, like, yeah, I think 
I think you have a voice. I think you can contribute something to this world and I think I can make money off of you. Um, Amazon is wonderful. So <laughs> you can totally upload it. They have marketing services. They have um, uh, guides. And uh, right now, the, the, everything that you see related to the book, um, I upload it into uh, ebook as well as paperback. They do drop shipment too, which is awesome. I don't have the inventory. So if anyone orders that paperback, Amazon offshores it or something like that, and someone else prints it and sends it directly to you. So I don't actually have my own copies. Um, and then there's the audio version. Oh, then there was the audio version. The audio version, I actually had to go through someone. Um, I hired a, a voice actor to, do, to record it, went through a couple of drafts with them, recordings, I should say, uh, did my own QA, and I want to say the whole process of them recording it from start to finish was about four to six weeks. Wonderful people. Um, I didn't do the recording because I don't have the equipment. One, and two, I don't have the patience. I mean, they, these voice actors are wonderful. Um, and that was a very good cost <laughs> to me to make it run a little bit more efficiently. Yeah, I, I would also just like to give a shout out to voice actors. I've done some voiceover work in my life, but I think the, the longest thing was maybe like a 15 minute uh, voiceover for an asbestos presentation, which is... Yeah among the driest things you can talk about. And that was even in the instructions. It's like, we know this is really boring stuff. So just try to liven it up whenever you can. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I can manage that. But even that, even that 15 minutes, it's like, you're going back and you're like, oh, no, I stumbled over that word. I got to record yeah. this part again. And so kudos to, to all the people that do audiobooks out there. So we can yeah. listen while we're working out or driving or whatever. Exactly. Thank you, guys. I have a side note. I, I, I aim to listen to about 100 audiobooks a year. So lots of business books, a lot of self-help psychology, uh, self-improvement, per, uh, personal training, anything, names, and a lot of biographies. So I've listened to a lot of voice actors. Thank you, guys, for making <laughs> this whole world accessible for everybody. <laughs> are, you, are you keeping track of your... Uh your voiceover, or I'm sorry, of your, uh, your audiobook consumption so far? Do you, have, do you have an exact number? 85. Nice. I'm at 85. I got nice. 15 more yeah, to go to the can, end of the year. You can pull it off. Yep. Good deal. All right. So ardent listeners, ardent, that's not the right word, arduous listeners, I don't know, frequent listeners of Locally Source Joey know that I always like to end with a top three, nice little like actionable sort of thing to leave everyone with. So from you, I'd love to hear top three things that any personal trainer can do right now. And we've touched on a little bit, but anything they can do right now to essentially just make their business better. Yeah. One, stop listening to so much personal training stuff. Actually take a break. I know a lot of personal trainers want to look at uh, fitness stuff on social media, um, follow uh, uh, fitness influencers. Take a break. If you have a natural diehard passion to open a business, segue into looking at who are the business influencers, who are the richest of people, and start uh, embodying some of their habits and their mindsets. Um, they are in the direction of who you want to be. Um, again, some of the fitness influencers that you know are great personal trainers. Some of them are great employees, but not all of them are great entrepreneurs, nor business owners, nor investors. So you really have to start emulating and being very selective who your role models are. Um, the second thing, read up as much as you can about everything. I would think at this point, if you're a successful 
or at least self-sustaining uh, <laughs> personal trainer, you know enough about hypertrophy and um, physiology and nutrition. Um, but again, if your goal is to, and I'm going to be put bluntly, if your goal is to be rich and wealthy and be able to provide for your family, um, you might need to start listening to books, audio books, watching or attending seminars that are about those specific topics. So again, you have to be very selective in what resources and where you dedicate your time in terms of studying. Um, and the third one is to network. This is going to be pretty tough for some personal trainers. So if all your uh, all the people within your inner circle are personal trainers and you are all at a similar pay scale and all at the same type of mindset, it's going to be very challenging to break out and start networking with people, of who, again, who you want to be associated with. Not to say that you shouldn't stop being a personal trainer. Okay? You're going to have to do both. Again, know where you come from, know your roots, know who your people are. But you really start to need to think about five, 10 years down the line, who else you want to include in your, in your network and start reaching out. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Nice and easy. Yep. Nice and easy. Well, Nelson, you're officially off the hook. Um, well, I guess I should, I should say before you're, before you <laughs> actually are off the hook, where can people find you online or check out your book? Sure. My book is available on Amazon. Uh, look up for the Fit More Poor Personal Trainer, a guide on how to train your money, not muscle, to grow. Available in three different formats, so paperback, ebook, as well as Audible. Um, come visit me at my website, coachnellitoriano.com. Sign up for my email. I send out information about the, my top five recommendations for the week for any given topic. Um, three forms of income, four different roles that you can be as a personal trainer, as well as information. I am available for one-on-one -on -one mentoring as well. Um, deep in my heart, I'd love to reach out to you and, and see where you're going and help you out as much as I can. Awesome. And I mean, I feel like I learned lots and that was what, like half an hour? That's easy. Aww, easy. Good. <laughs> That's my awesome. mission in life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much, Nelson. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you. And of course, we gotta we gotta wrap up with a bad joke, as always. What oh man! Okay, go ahead. Go for oh, it. I got you. I got you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> what do hairdressers like to do at the gym? Curls. Get after. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good cool one. Let me let me go ahead and write that down. Yes. yes. Please. Thank please you. Spread the bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. See you in 2020, everyone.